This is the EPLOG audio experience. On theatre, he has done about 30-plus productions and 3,000 performances in India and abroad. On television, he has played lead roles in about 100 series across various channels. On screen, he has worked in all languages and across all platforms, that is features, shots, web series and documentaries. And he has scripted, directed and modelled in several commercials for top brands. Anant Mahadevan, therefore, is an actor, writer, director, model and also an author. It is our privilege to host the all-rounder media personality in our show. So why are you such a super achiever, Mr. Mahadevan? Well, well, please, uh, Bhavna, I don't think uh, such, uh, you know, uh, such a hyperbole suits me because uh, I have just been trying to work uh, and keep uh, working. And uh, I uh, I feel that all that, uh, you know, you've just mentioned, whether it's theatre, film, television, uh, authoring, writing, editing, uh, all these are just part of one uh, entire whole. You know, I mean, the if you see the bigger picture, they're all elements of the bigger picture. So I was just trying to sort of, you know, be, make sure that I know, uh, I mean, like a, like an all-rounder on a cricket field, I am able to encompass all this together. So it's uh, basically trying to get uh, some kind of scientific approach to the arts. Uh, that's where uh, I think I was... Uh, I was capable of uh, getting all this together because it involved a lot of time management and a lot of thought uh, thought process that went into it. But uh, uh, somewhere, I think at the end of uh, 40 years, uh, if you say that I have achieved something, uh, it looks like, uh, well, at least uh, now it's the tip of the iceberg and I can proceed from here. So tell me, how did uh, this discipline come about? What was your childhood? Who was an influence on you? I would say that uh, both my parents and uh, the schooling that I received have been I mean, hugely responsible for the kind of uh, mental and physical discipline that I have uh, developed over the years. My father was a disciplinarian. You would be surprised to know that in spite of uh, having done so much in the media industry, there wasn't a radio or I hadn't seen of film till I was in the sixth standard because he always felt that uh, probably uh, all these were, you know, distractions and uh, uh, they would take me away from my studies and the seriousness of uh, uh, academics. So uh, that was what uh, home was all about. And uh, in school, of course, I mean, I was very fortunate and very thankful to my parents for having uh, admitted me to the Ron Bosco High School in Matunga because the teachers there, at least in the 10 years that, or 11 years that I was there, the teachers, they were absolutely amazing. Uh, right, whether it was the English language or whether it was mathematics or physics or chemistry or biology or Shakespeare, you name it. I mean, they were so, so, so adept at it that uh, they passed on all their knowledge to us in such a, you know, such a healthy way that uh, we took our studies so, so seriously in those days. And uh, we probably, uh, we were like, you know, uh, at least I was of the opinion that this was what life is all about. This is the way that life is to be led. This is the focus. This is the discipline. This is the kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, structure that uh, one should follow. So uh, I think it's uh, that upbringing that finally helped me in the long run. So you are a Matunga boy. And what was the home atmosphere like? A typical uh, tan brand? 
Absolutely, absolutely. In fact, another thing I'm very extremely grateful is that uh, you know we were, uh, we are rather strictly vegetarian. We are very God fearing, and whether it is the fear of God or whether it is uh, the kind of dietary uh, reg- regulations that came into my life, it was a typical Tambram uh, this thing, and uh, that helps. You know, because I'll tell you, there is certain science behind that. It it isn't. Uh, you know, sometimes people tend to dismiss it as some kind of. Uh, you know, an orthodox overthinking. It's not. There is a, a certain way of life in the Tam, uh, Tamil Brahmin, uh, you know, uh, household. And uh, uh, I, I mean, today, if I'm talking to you, to, if you feel that I am deserving of this kind of a show where you're going to ask me uh, about my life, then I feel a lot of that has contributed to it. So, for example, when you say that there is a science and there is a typical atmosphere at home, for example, what are the customs and the rituals you followed? See, an early morning uh, wake-up call is something, an early to bed, early to rise thing may sound a cliche to so many people today, but uh, that uh, makes a healthy mind and a healthy body. And when you get up and when you have that uh, bath and when you sit down there and you do your uh, you know, prayers after your uh, thread ceremony is over, you do regular morning and evening prayers. You know, you have developed a certain kind of discipline for your body. And then you get into, a, uh, you know, a modest breakfast. Then you go to school. Then you come back. And uh, I forget the number of times when my mother has prepared, uh, you know, some snacks or dosa or a coffee for me because... Somewhere something happened and it made me just sit down, wash my hands and feet and sit down and do my homework and forget that there is a dosa or a coffee waiting for me in the kitchen. So what was it that drove me to that? I'm sure it was these disciplines of, uh, you know, upbringing that uh, drove me to that. And uh, so the focus and the seriousness with which I look at work today, which has led to a certain professionalism, ruthless professionalism, has, uh, has had its seeds in those days when... Uh, we used to follow this routine. And when did the seed of creativity or cinema or the show business come? Oh, that really happened, uh, you know, uh, very, very uh, subconsciously because I didn't know. It was like, you know, a duck taking to water. So in school, every year, every year when we had our... Uh, uh, annual days and you know our, uh, we used to, we, they asked us to perform one theater play and I I volunteered I offered I almost uh, you know threw myself at them and say I want to do this play now what was it that made me do that I suddenly realized that the creativity uh, germ was there you know and I was trying to sort of develop it at that point so 10 plays in 10 years in school every year and then getting into college and then doing intercollegiate competitions whether it's debates or singing or elocution or music or uh, theatre, I was, uh, you know, subconsciously developing that uh, hobby that had turned into a profession. So, uh, although my father, uh, I mean, like I said, they they did not let me see movies because uh, they felt it corrupted the mind or uh, kept me away from my studies. Uh, When, uh, you know, when I saw when I first went into a theatre hall and saw that uh, screen in the darkness of uh, the theater, I was so fascinated by what came up, the moving image, you know, on on screen. I called it the magic lantern like Ingmar Bergman did in his autobiography. So, uh, uh, you know, that that moving image fascinated me so much. And that was, again, without any thought that I would get into this kind of a a career. Because uh, like uh, you said, one of the orthodox uh, movements of 
at Ambram families that, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, the son or the daughter gets into either uh, the medical profession or a research work or science uh, or a scientific pursuit, you know. And uh, although I did want to pursue that, but uh, somewhere I think uh, the entire thing sort of, you know, got grounded when my father passed away, unfortunately, when I was just 13 and uh, uh, something shook me up and this, uh, I would say the entire chemistry within me changed and uh, what could have been a doctor or, uh, you know, as a, a research uh, scientist uh, did not uh, actually end up in that. I did complete my uh, degree in the sciences, but then somewhere the arts weaned me away. So, like I say today, uh, you know, cinema making is uh, the science of art. And that's how I applied my scientific knowledge to the arts. And when did art uh, knock on your door uh, professionally the first time? Uh, well, uh, when uh, uh, after as soon as I did my graduation, uh, my college professor called me up and said that uh, they wanted to do a production of Hamlet, Shakespeare's Hamlet. And uh, there was a director from Delhi. His name was Bharat Dogra, I think. Mr. Dogra, I remember very well. He was uh, playing Hamlet and he wanted to direct it. So they wanted me to play Polonius. And uh, Shakespeare, of course, was a big favorite uh, of mine during school days. And, uh, you know, when uh, you have all the reference to context and the analysis of Shakespeare's plays and trying to, uh, you know, write a comprehensive essays on that, I uh, always enjoyed doing that. So uh, I thought this was the first big step towards uh, getting into uh, the professional theater. We performed at the Tejpal Auditorium, I remember. And uh, uh, you, I mean, uh, look at uh, look at uh, the 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 coincidence. Uh, uh, so since my college professor, Mr. Kamlesh Purohit, knew Mr. Dilip Kumar very well, uh, there he was sitting in the front row as a chief guest at the evening's performance and making me as nervous as I could. My God. And then what happened after this first performance? But still, but I still managed to rattle off the actors. I hear my lord, the best actors in the world, either for comedy, tragedy, history, pastoral, pastoral, comical, historical, pastoral, tragical, comical, historical, pastoral, scene undivided, a poem unlimited. Seneca cannot be too heavy, nor Plautus too light. For the law of written liberty, these are the only men. And the house thundered into an applause <laughs> because that. And I knew, I knew somewhere there I had managed to break that uh, uh, fourth wall between the audience and me. And I knew that uh, the magic of theatre is something that I would take to. And then I went on to performing uh, at the Prithvi. Uh, my first play was a musical or rather a Nautanki adaptation of uh, Gogol's Inspector General. It was called Ala Afsar. From then on, there was no looking back. I started doing theatre in the 80s, and I still do theater today. My latest play, of course, has, uh, uh, you know, is uh, Lilith Dubey's Dance Like a Man, Mahesh Dattani's play. So I've continued to do 40 years of theater. And uh, uh, if you really ask me, I mean, people ask me this very uh, cliched question of which amongst the three disciplines uh, do you enjoy doing the most, theater, television, film, or what? And, and I say, in spite of all the, uh, the grandiose uh, attractions of uh, cinema and television, uh, the, the live performance of a theater is absolutely electrifying. So which are the other performances you really remember the lines and you can even recite now? What about <laughs> Dance Like a Man? 
Yes, of course. Dance like a man. I play uh, a double role. I play my father and myself. And it's very interestingly, uh, you know, the form is very interesting because uh, the way Mahesh Dattani has written it, he's got only four actors playing seven characters, and uh, without the audience getting confused at any point of time as to who is who. So uh, I would rate Dance Like a Man as one uh, of my very important performances. But there was a very irreverent uh, play that I did over the last five years, and it has been a raging hit. You must have heard of it. It's a play called "Blame It on Yashraj." Now, yes, this play, yeah, this play is a takeoff on the marriages, the ten-day Indian marriages, and since. Yashraj have sort of been experts at uh, filming uh, the Indian marriages in all its glory and color. We decided to call it "Blame It on Yashraj." It could have been called "Blame It on Rajshree" also, but uh, Yashraj gave us the the permission to use their uh, uh, you know brand name, and uh, it was about this father who was trying to get his daughter uh, you know married off, and the daughter insists. Uh, that it has to be a ten-day marriage; otherwise, her friends in New York would not consider it an Indian marriage. That was number one. And number two, she has selected a Muslim bridegroom, so that's worse for the father, who is uh, so much of a miser that he tries to cut costs and he tries to deter the uh, daughter from getting married. But at the end of it, you realize that uh, you know the costs don't matter. And uh, you know, ultimately, it's the happiness of the offspring that is important. So uh, it was a play that uh, I uh, had to uh, do a lot of stand-up uh, comedy. It was a play that I, I had to carry on my shoulders because I used to link the scenes together with uh, uh, the comic references. And uh, also, at the end of the play, uh, there was an entire sangeet where I really worked on my dancing. So there was a lot of dance that happened, and uh, you know, uh, so uh, uh, you know when uh, the audience breaks into whistles, then uh, you realize how Sharu Kamir and uh, the whole lot of actors who have danced on screen feel when an audience actually whistles and claps for you when you dance. So, I, and someone came and told me, "Why aren't you? Why aren't you doing lead roles in uh, Bollywood cinema? Uh, look at you! Look what you did on stage!" Because that wasn't me at all. They were the shocked. To see me in the Savitar, you know, so that was one play I thoroughly enjoyed. Of course, there were other plays like Arthur Miller's The Price, and then I did Vijay Tendulkar's Khamosh Adalat Jari Hai, Anji Jati Pucho Sadhu Ki, Badal Sarkar's Pagla Ghoda, where initially I played uh, Himadri, and then in a later uh, edition I played Shashi. So uh, I think these were the plays, I mean, uh, plays which uh, you know, from classics to. Uh, Uh, French uh, comedies like you know Ray Cooney's uh, uh, Run for Your Wife. So I've done the whole lot. You know, No Sex Please. We are British. So from uh, outrageous comedies to very serious work, uh, my theatre has sort of encompassed uh, the entire spectrum. You know, just now when you recited Shakespeare, I was thinking that how you remember the lines. It's always fascinated me how actors remember their parts and how they. most of the time never make a mistake can you recite uh, something from dance like a man or from yashraj or from tendulkar something uh, uh, well there are so many of them now that i see what is the magic about shakespeare is that you know it uh, when you record it in your mind it's like a it's like a chip you know it it just records it and uh, you cannot afford to you cannot afford to change it because it's the bible not one word can be shifted in other plays you improvise you do a lot of things so nothing is as 
you know, sacrosanct. Yeah. So there are so many passages, but uh, I think now I may have to sort of, you know, uh, revise it in my mind and then do it. So I don't want to sort of spend time right now. But uh, the magic of, uh, uh, you know, the, you know, what you correctly put down, the actor's memory and the focus, you know, see, that is the focus and discipline. It makes you not stumble or fumble on a single word when you for two and a half hours or two hours, you carry a play on your shoulders and keep the audience engaged. So that is the magic. And uh, when you go there, on stage, uh, you know, uh, it, it it just flows. And uh, sometimes you wonder, what, what is it that makes you perform like this? What is it that drives you on? And uh, that is something that, uh, you know, one would like to uh, keep going because that, like I said, is the magic of performing. So when we are in the audience, we never see the anxiety of the actor, you know? I have always been wondering what does the actor go through when he's in the makeup room, when he's in the wings, when he's just entering, don't you blank out sometimes? Uh, how do you uh, conquer it? Uh, see, concentration, concentration is and focus is very important. It's very important when you do your makeup right from that point, when you go two hours before and you own the, stage you know you get on to the stage every day even though if it's your hundredth performance on the same set you still go there you own the stage you walk around blindly it's your home you got to be as familiar with it as you are with your own house so that one portion of you know uh, whatever what we we'll call an uneasiness or being in a place where you haven't been before is eradicated then when you sit down for your makeup you close your eyes and you focus you don't let you know, most of the actors today I've seen in the makeup room and I've got to shout at them and say, put off that iPad or put off that iPhone and stop creating a ruckus here because we are concentrating, we are focusing. This is theater. Uh, you know, the discipline that it demands of you is so, so, so much that the energy that you are storing within you is what you are going to impart to the audience. It flows from you to the audience. The audience does not clap or cry or, you know, go uh, ha or who or gush at you uh, just because uh, when you give a flat performance, it's because the energy waves flow and you got to get that energy wave. And that, that, that is an exercise that the actor has to go through. And most of the actors don't realize that. They think that you go there on stage, say your lines and come out. No, that is a very blank, flat performance. So what I do is I really try and concentrate. And then when I go there, yes, uh, you, you, you do, uh, you know, you can see the blank coming four lines away sometimes and you quickly reorient yourself and then suddenly it comes back to you, you know, because, uh, uh, you know, I keep uh, telling myself, I not only have to know my lines, I have to know my co-actors lines also just in yes, case something happens, yes, you know, yes. and, I and it has happened several times when the other actor has either forgotten or fumbled and then I take over and I sort of bring it back on track. So a play that has gone four pages ahead comes back to where it's, you know, it's supposed to be. And, and that is fun, you know, that is fun because, you know, you suddenly realize the presence of mind that you've had. And uh, it's something, it's some kind of a personal victory on stage. You know, you said a while ago that whatever you do, whether it's television, theater, cinema, short films, documentaries, direction, editing, production, whatever, it's all a branch of uh, one motherboard. That's right. Similarly, I feel that uh, 
you are able to do a lot of things because you are also a writer because if you are a writer you can direct if you are a writer you can act if you are a writer you can conceive and do many more things how did writing come into your life yeah you you are absolutely right writing is where it all begins that pen to paper you create thing, a thought yeah to the, that pen to paper thing is what is the most important thing and if you have good writing with you you know once when uh, i narrated a subject to my dear dear friend god bless his soul uh, farooq sheikh saab and uh, he said this is an excellent concept the first question he asked is who is writing it you know so the writing on the wall you know i started uh, writing since my school days because we had something called the uh you know the school magazine also the school uh, board the you know the notice board where we used to write poems or we write, used to write short essays that used to fit into one page and they used to be pinned up on the notice board so i realized that uh, you know essay writing which uh, you know uh, started off in school when i uh, i used to go to my father and say will you please write this essay for me i was uh, you know dead nervous i mean i, I did not know how to write a uh, begin where to begin where to uh, end it and my father said no i am not going to help you with it do it yourself and he forced me to keep writing and i think uh, that is where uh, it i sort of you know got into developing ideas developing plots and as the days passed by whether it's a school or college magazines and then you come into a time where you are writing uh, you know uh, episodes for television you are writing scripts for cinema and uh, you know that that point of time now what at least right now i uh the, the elements that i get into my scripts and writing is that there should be no illogicality at all the writing should be absolutely uh, not uh, cliched or regular let me try and break the glass ceiling let me try and get a global language into my writing so uh it started off uh, at the right age i feel in school and then it sort of germinated and metamorphosed into television and film writing and uh, which is very very demanding because now i prefer to write the first screenplays the first drafts of the screenplays myself because uh if i tell you something a lot of people are not going to like this when i say we really do not have good writers in the film industry today mm-hmm. I, i i don't think i can count beyond 5 and even those when they are uh, when they come to you and they uh, narrate a scene to you they're full of certain uh, you know clichés and certain uh, mannerisms that or certain dialogue that you've heard uh, you know uh, multi million times down the years so why do we get stuck Uh, with this age old uh, you know uh, style of ours why can't we sort of you know uh, follow certain writing patterns that are uh, you know world class and uh, global so uh, right now i prefer to write the first draft of my scre- screenplay before handing it over to uh, maybe a dialogue writer for adaptation into the language i want to make the film in but even then i supervise it thoroughly i am very very brutal and ruthless with my writing and how did you get into writing books and how different is the discipline for that oh this book thing uh, well uh, you know somewhere along the line i mean i someone in fact it was thanks to a friend of mine who told me that uh, you know you've been around for 38 to 40 years now 
Uh, you've been there since the inception of uh, commercial sponsored television in India, right from 83 when it started, right out today, either as an actor or as a director, you've featured every year in something and that's some kind of a record, a world record probably. Uh, how come you haven't ever written a diary or made notes or, you know, you must have had so many experiences and I realized, yes, I haven't put those down at all on paper. So one day I sat down to write this book. I said, let me write my journey through Indian television, something like an autobiography. And then when I started writing it, I realized that would be the most selfish thing to do because all my contemporaries, all my peers, all my seniors who had done great work during this uh, these 40 years, I could not uh, exclude them from the writing and I had interacted with almost all of them. So I, it was a collective, it was a collective story that then finally I put together because uh, I also realized that television in India was, wasn't just It's called television. prime time. Yeah, it's called Once Upon a Prime Time. And, Wonderful uh, time. Yeah. So uh, I realized that, uh, you know, I call it the great... Indian uh, art migration, because if you realize in 83, when television started, there were very few people who were actually television filmmakers. It was all the great filmmakers of that time, whether it's Sai Paranjpe, MS Satyu, Bashu Chatterjee, Rishikesh Mukherjee, Aziz Mirza, Kundan Shah, Yash Chopra, B.R. Chopra, you know, these were the people, Ramesh Sipi, who came in and made television. They did the great crossover from the big screen to the small screen. It was a different kind of uh, discipline and a different kind of grammar that uh, they had to sort of master because television was all about telling a story over 13 or 26 or 52 episodes, which you call seasons today. It started right there in 83. We had our seasons then, you know. So I had to put all this down and uh, it was like, you know, the, uh, the, the, the mind was like, you know, boiling over with uh, memories and uh, it was spilling over and there was no... It was totally chaotic when I started putting down points here and there. I did not know, oh my God, there's so many of them. How do I structure this? And then I, it was almost like a screenplay which went back and forth, back and forth. And uh, you had to read uh, the earlier chapter if you want to know what I was, I'm talking about in the uh, later chapter, you know. So uh, I, put it, I put it together like a screenplay, but of course, writing a book has a different grammar altogether. I wanted to follow... Uh, what, uh, you know, all the great English textbooks had taught me during my uh, Don Bosco years where, you know, whether it's a Dickens or whether it's a Wordsworth or whether it's a Keats or Shakespeare. I mean, Shakespeare didn't come into this, but uh, the kind of writing that they used to follow, you know, a certain very conventional yet very polished kind of English writing. That's the grammar I followed in the book. Hmm. So in the end... The South Indian Tam Bram, who had deviated from perhaps what his parents' dream was to become an engineer or a doctor, and today is a successful all-rounder, how does the family perceive him? Uh, well, since uh, dad is no more, I don't know how dad would have reacted to this. I mean, he would have uh, probably thought that it's a life wasted. Uh, my mother sometimes, and of course, she's now not very, she's very unwell, so she can't uh, figure out what's happening. 
and uh, at least she was uh, you know good enough to uh, when i've got the national award for me sindhuta sapkal and i put it in her hands she looked at it and said oh it's a national award so at least she was conscious then about it but uh, earlier years when i used to tell her oh my god i'm so tired i've uh, come back at 1:00 at night and i'm so tired like i don't know what to do and she used to tell me who asked you to do this i told you get into some <laughs> business management get into the doc- <laughs> you know you should have been a doctor you should have been an engineer you brought this on yourself don't Don't come and complain to me. So that was what she had in her mind, you know. But uh, she used to come and see my plays at Prithvi, and uh, well, uh, that was uh, what it was. I have been a very bad uh, son. I have been a very bad, uh, very what would one say? Not uh, one who follows the norms of uh, uh, show business. I have been a rebel there too. So I do not know what to make of myself. But when people like you say that I am successful, I I, I still have my doubts. wonderful anand mahadevan it was absolutely fantastic talking to you so erudite so uh, full of insights i enjoyed myself thank you bhavna thank you so much and uh, it's, it's it's a great pleasure talking to you because you you are a veteran sir and i have been reading everything that you've been writing over the years right from your screen days and before and uh, it's it's a pleasure and honor to we have been talking to you thank you for tuning in if you have liked this episode do comment Do rate on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to Rangmanch on your favorite podcast app like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Hubhopper, Castbox, Spotify, Jio Seven, so that you get notified when we come next. Stay tuned for the next episode with yet another guest. And until then, take great care of yourself.